telling you this, a reason I want you to learn to be respectful to everybody is because I'd rather be the guy giving you the spanking. I don't want some kid when you're 15 or 16 punching your lights out or shooting you with a gun because you disrespected him in some way. You be respectful. Okay, Dad. Okay. And it's true because our kids are the fruit of us. So we will see them. And in what you'll see, they'll most likely be the ones that suffer the bad consequences because they got away with sin as a small kid. And as they get older, they'll suffer those consequences. Saul made some big mistakes as a parent, and it came back to haunt him. He had a son who chose to go behind his back, and a daughter who wasn't afraid to lie to him. Ultimately, God used his poor parenting to protect David through his children's disobedience and disrespect. As Pastor Mark explains in today's message, while God will work things out for his purposes no matter the mistakes we make, we need to be careful to parent our children in a godly way. If we don't teach them the importance of respect and discipline, we can expect them to learn it the painful way in a lost and dying world. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 19 with today's edition of Come Alive. Michael took an image and laid it in the bed. That's very interesting. She's still into idol worship. Laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair on it for its head, and covered it with clothes. And so when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. And then Saul sent messengers back to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. Now, can you imagine being called to work, calling in to work tomorrow saying, I'm sick, and your boss says, hey, dude, we're just going to send some guys and they're going to bring you in your bed in. I mean, that's basically what's saying. Look at verse 16. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. And then Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, and he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? Now think about this. Before we had a son of reason, now we got a daughter of deceit. So the the two people that love David, a son of reason and a daughter of deceit. We see another way that the Spirit's trying to speak to Saul. First, that son of reason, Jonathan, and now the daughter of deceit. His own daughter lies to him. His own daughter lies to him. Now this doesn't give us liberty and, and say it's okay to lie as long as we're protecting someone. A lie is a lie. A sin is a sin. His own daughter lies to him, and I think God is hoping that Saul sees his sin in his own daughter. That's what I think the picture is here. It's a powerful thing to see your own sin in one of your own children. And think about that. When you watch your kids and they're blowing it, and you're like, oh, dude, that's me. My son one time told me, I came in the house, and I don't know who told him this, and, and we were just sitting around, and nothing bad was going on, and he goes, Dad... I'm just like you. And that scared me when he said that. I was like, oh, Lord, please let me walk the straight and narrow in front of my children. Because I do. I see when my son gets mad, I see my temper. I never taught him how to throw a temper tantrum, but I see my temper from my BC days. I was told one time at church he flipped over a table. And when they told me that, I was like, yeah, I pretty much have done that before. 
on more than one occasion. Not because I was trying to clean underneath it, but because I'd lost my temper. And so he had never seen me flip a table, but it's there. And it's amazing what that does when you see your sin in one of your own children. It's very, very convicting. And I pray that the Lord allow you to see the sin, your sin in your children. But here's the deal, man. It's, it's a scary thing because if you see it, you need to put a stop to it. Turn to Exodus 20, verse 5. Turn there with me real quick. Exodus 20, verse 5. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord. And so he gives us these commands here. And so here God declares that he is a jealous God. And to prove that to you, the sins you are committing are the same sins your sons and daughters are going to commit. They're the same sins your sons and daughters are going to commit. So you can see them and say, oh, man, I need to turn from these. And sometimes when it says the third and fourth generation, it's not talking about generational curses. It's not a generational curse. Jesus Christ came to save, so that curse should be lifted. But here's what happened. If you're a dad and you drink alcohol, and maybe you had an, a, a problem with alcohol, and then you, as an alcohol, you're an alcoholic and your sons or your daughters have seen that sin in your life, then sometimes they take it to the next level. They take it to the next level. My grandfather drank alcohol. All of my uncles are alcoholics, as well as my dad. And then, watching my dad growing up in my B.C. days, I took it to the next level. I took it even harsher and went as far out as I could possibly go. And sometimes that'll happen. And we, as Christians, need to understand, when you see your children sinning, it is to convict you so you can stop. Now, back to 1 Samuel. And you might say, well, that's not fair. Well, let me just tell you this. It's not about fair. It's a fact. If you don't surrender your heart to God completely... The word in there, the key word in that sentence is completely, then your children won't either. They'll they'll still toil with idols, kind of like Michael's doing. And so, though her dad is a liar, so is she. She has lied. And so, I think God has done this to allow Saul to see his own sin. And so, when you see them pay the price of their sin that they got and learned from you, that's another way God is saying, stop, cut it out. Do you not see what this is doing? Or has done. And so all we can do is just stop and repent and do our best to live as a good example. The way the Bible asks us to live. Completely 100% sold out to the Lord. And that way your kids will follow your example. See your kid will suffer later when they get older. A dad needs support. The wife needs to support the dad. And the dad needs to support the wife. And so the kids and so you guys are a united front. And so mom and dad set the standard, not grandma and grandpa, unless you actually have the kid and and you're raising the kid, but not grandma and grandpa. They don't set the standard. They need to support the parents. If you've got a Christian set of parents, your mom and dads need to be living that life out. And then as a grandparent, you need to support that Christian mom and dad in those decisions. My mom, and I, I love my mom, but sometimes she likes to spoil her grandkids. Now, a little bit of spoiling, you know, I mean, we can say a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
And sometimes she does certain things and, oh, don't tell your mom and dad I did this for you. And I'll be there and I'm like, mom, are you kidding me? You just told them to lie to their mom and dad. Well, no, I really didn't tell them to lie. You just told them to be deceitful. Oh, I didn't tell them to be deceitful. They're just not allowed to have candy. Well, probably because their teeth are rotting out of their skulls. But you're going ahead and, and, and don't do that. Don't do that. If you're a grandparent, don't ruin it because here's what happens. Who pays? The kid. They go home with a pocket full of candy, and it's okay because one adult said it's cool, and they open it up and stick it in their mouth, and mom and dad are like, you're not supposed to have candy. I told you not to have candy. I heard my son and my mom one morning as I was crawling out of bed. My son had, had gone out into the living room, and I heard my mom say, don't, don't tell your dad I'll let you have cake for breakfast. And I remember my son stopped and walked in and said, uh, Grandma wants to give me cake for breakfast. And I was like, nope. He went out there and he said, no, I'm not supposed to have it. And she goes, oh, it's okay. And he said, no, it's not. <laughs> he just walked away. And she was like standing there. Come on, hurry, hurry. And I, I walked out and I'm like, really? You're, you're 73 years old trying to put peer pressure on a six-year-old and he's the one that's telling you it's wrong? I mean, what is wrong with the picture, mom? I know what she was trying to do. She just, just wants him to be happy. Chubby kids are cute. Right? I'm chubby. Hopefully I'm cute. Somebody. But when you think about it, I mean, there was, there's no, it was just wrong. But we justify it. Well, it's my grandkid. I'm supposed to spoil him and ruin your life since you ruined mine when you were a little kid. It's like, really, mom? But she didn't say that. I'm just, that's my perspective. So I was like, look, mom, you can't do that. And she was like, okay, you know what? You're right. Asa, you're a good boy. And Asa looks at me and is like, boy, Dad, I really wanted that cake. I was like, you know, I'm really proud of you for taking a stand. And my daughter, Elia, the same thing. I've, I've heard it over and over before. She's not really trying to hurt anyone. She just wants to be a grandma and give good gifts. She wants to be cool. At 73, you're no longer cool. You just accept who you are and what you're doing. You know, it's the same thing at 46. I can't get any cooler than I was when I was 18. That's it. And it's outdated. That cool is over. So moms and dads, you set the standard. Grandma and grandpa, you support that standard as best as you can. Now, if they're not there and you can't call, then you got to do your best. But don't ruin it. If you know the rules in that house, don't ruin it for that kid when they get a spanking. That's all that happens is you set the discipline. And then if you don't discipline, make sure you do discipline. You don't do your kids any favors by not discipline. Oh, I don't want to hurt them. Well, you're just going to hurt them later. I always tell my son, the reason I'm telling you this, a reason I want you to learn to be respectful to everybody is because I'd rather be the guy giving you the spanking. I don't want some kid when you're 15 or 16 punching your lights out or shooting you with a gun because you disrespected him in some way. You be respectful. Okay, Dad. Okay. And it's true because our kids are the fruit of us. So we will see them. And in what you'll see, they'll most likely be the ones that suffer the bad consequences because they got away with sin as a small kid. And as they get older, they'll suffer those consequences. Could be jail time. Could be drug addiction. It could be alcohol addiction. It could be bad choices in a spouse. So God will show you through your kids your sin. Anyone ever say, you know, your little kid looks just like you? Hey, Frank, Noah looks just like you. Hey, Mark, Asa looks just like you. Hey, Jess, Elia looks just like you. All that's true. I don't see it, but it's true. People say it enough. I'm like, it's got to be true. 
But not only do they look like you physically, but they look like you morally, and they'll look like you spiritually. So what do you look like? I was at a worship conference yesterday, and I, and I told all those people that were there, a lot of them were young people, I said, I bet if I met you and hung out with you for about five or ten minutes, and then they brought in a whole bunch of parents, I'd be able to pick out your parents. I'd be able to pick out who your parents are based off the way you look, the way you act, the way you handle yourself, the way you stand. And so it's amazing. Like right now, you can look at some of the kids that are in the crowd, and they're sitting just like their parents. Some heads are tilted the same direction. You just you see that. It's not done on purpose. It's just that's the way they are. So Saul says, how can you deceive me, little girl? Well, Dad, you taught me well. You told my brother you're not going to kill Dave, and now you're trying to kill Dave. I'm just like you, Dad. I'm just like you. And so if God can't get your attention through a son of reason or a daughter of deceit, then look at verse 18. So David fled and escaped when Samuel... Um, And went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naoth. And now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David's at Naoth in Ramah. And then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told of the told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. This is awesome. So David goes to Samuel. He's hanging out. They're prophesying. This is almost comical. Saul is sending these military guys to go and bring David back, and every time these guys go into the presence of David and Samuel, they find themselves prophesying, and the Spirit of God overtakes them. It's kind of like a worship service. They walk in, they go get them, and all of a sudden they hear the wonderful music that's being sung to the Lord, and they're like, whoa, this is awesome. I've never experienced it. And they start singing and clapping. Our God is an awesome God. And And then the next group comes in, and they see it, and they're like, oh, whoa, this is cool. Our God, now you got all these guys. And then the third group comes in, and the same thing happens. And so it's God. What's the, what, what is the word here that we see? It's the Spirit of God that overtakes them. It's the Spirit of God that conquers them. What's the word prophesying mean here? Well, here in this reference, it's speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Prophesying, they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So Saul sends three groups of guys to get David, and so evil can be done, and each group hears God's Word, and they're totally different. They change. Isn't it amazing what God's Word can do? Yet we tend to be like, oh, well, it's none of my business. I don't want to let you know. I'm ashamed to let you know that I'm a Christian. I'm afraid to tell you because it's the workplace and, well, I could lose my job. And I'm more concerned about keeping my job than seeing you make it into heaven. That's what we say. We don't say it directly, but indirectly the underlying tone is, my image is everything. And, sorry, that's up to church or whatever. Listen to KSBJ or Air One, 103.7, way better station. But listen, that'll help you. And so Saul sends these three groups, and they become different. So God will use a prophet or a pastor, you know, so we see a son of reason, a daughter of deceit, and you know what happened next? Sometimes people just walk into church. They walk into a a, a church service like they do here, a pastor or a prophet to proclaim God's truth, to proclaim God's word, to allow the word to do what it needs to do. And I don't think it's uncommon for those who are on a path of sinning to show up at church on a Sunday, I never think it, or a Wednesday night. 
I see people that come in and it's like this discernment just says, man, that guy just really needs to hear God's word because they've been on a path of sinning. And so here's how it works. Before you arrived, you might have felt, you know, what you've been doing isn't sin because your conscience, your heart had been seared or hardened. And then, you know, all of a sudden, it's just a little hard. It's not too bad. And then you hear a study and you say to yourself, well, you know what? It's, it, what I have been doing, it is actually sin. And so now conviction sets in and either you turn or you don't. Again, you are given a choice. Either you go left or you go right, but you can't stay down the middle. You can't run the middle. So God's using a person to preach and proclaim the word of God to write to you. So if, you can't get, if he can't get your attention that way, well, then look at verse 22. It says, Then he, meaning Saul, also went to Ramah and came to a great well that is at Seku. So he asked and he said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are at Naoth and Ramah. So he went there to Naoth and Ramah, and then the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, Is Saul also among the prophets? So Saul said, Man, I've sent these three groups... And he probably was like the guy who's like, man, if you want something done, you've got to go and do it yourself. And so he gets up, grabs a donkey or a horse, and he goes. Saul gets there, and well, here's what's going on. God has brought Saul back to the very first days of his ministry. Remember back in chapter 10? I think, you know, and, and this is just me, but I think God takes him back. I think God takes Saul back to his very first time and says, Hey, remember when I, I came upon you, when my Holy Spirit came upon you, and it was just you and me, and it was pure, undefiled worship, and, and you were just humble, and it was a great relationship? I think that's what's happening here, and that's just my thought. See, God can bring you back. Oftentimes, when, I, when I'm tempted to do the wrong things, God takes me back to my early walk. When I tend to overcomplicate things and try to make things too complicated, he takes me back and says, Mark, remember those days? Let me just show you. Strip off all this stuff. Get rid of it and just, just come and, and be vulnerable before me like it was back in the early days when you first got saved, when you just enjoyed reading your Bible and you didn't have to break down each and every single word to have something and some great outline. You just took notes and it was just special. It was just you and it was just me. And remember your prayers? They were just simple prayers. They weren't, they weren't choked out by the things of this world. And so I think right now is what God has done is he allows him to go. He goes and he, he gets stripped of all the stuff that he's put on. And God can bring you back to those simple early days of walking with him. The spirit of God comforts and confirms something in Saul. He also convicts and strips when necessary. The same Saul who prophesied in chapter 10 is doing it again. But no longer a confirmation of his ministry. It's an indication that, well, he's in trouble. He's in big trouble. And we're going to see later that after all that God has done, Saul is still determined to sin. We don't have enough time to go into the next chapter, but we will see that, that Saul is determined to sin. You know, God's a gentleman. He's going to honor you. Whatever you want to do, he's going to say, hey, I'm not going to force you to love me. I'm not going to force you into some kind of relationship. I'm not going to squeeze you until you do it my way, but I'm going to put people in your path, things in your path to try to right you from your wrong. And so... The threat is still very real for David. What about David? It's still a very real threat for him. Saul's probably still going to go after him, and we know by reading this that he will. 
And we've seen how God has sent salvation for David. Even in his distress, David should be able to see God's hand of protection. And for you and I, well, here's the application. It's easy for us to think that God has abandoned us or forsaken us. And as I learned this lesson Friday morning, and I really did, I mean, it came hard and heavy. Hard and heavy. It was like a, I couldn't even tell you how I was just broken Friday morning at 6.15. When 6.15 rolled around, I was just like, oh. I had tears in my eyes, and I was like, Lord, I didn't think it would go down like this. I I just can't believe this. I'm going to have to call my wife and my kids, and I've just really let them down. I'm going to have to call other people, and I just, I don't know. I don't know. And just a little still small voice just said, wait, I haven't abandoned you. Just wait. And I remember just walking around. I literally, I don't pace. I don't worry like this, but I was just, my heart was beating. I was sweating. I had tears coming out of my eyes, and sometimes at the clearest evidence that God hasn't deserted you is not that you're successfully past your trial, but you're still on your feet in the middle of it. I was still on my feet. He was like, you still got some fight left. You still got fight left. And then all of a sudden something happened and it was like, oh, Lord, you you haven't abandoned me. You just asked me to stand and to stand firm. I mean, I was scared. There was a part where I was, fear came in, faith left. And it was a long time since I felt that way. Uh, I, I seriously was just going to scream out, you know, why, God, have you forsaken me? That's really how I felt. My heart was broken. And then all of a sudden, it was like, just stand and listen, just wait. I haven't abandoned you. Just wait. And then that whole day, things just played out. Things just happened, and you could just see the Lord working. He's like, I just need your hands off of it. When I threw my hands up and said, I'm done, he was like, finally, Mark, finally, finally. And when I threw my hands up, he stood me up. And it wasn't that I, I was past my trial. I was just on my feet, still ready to go. He gave me the strength and the energy, and he says, it's not in your will, but in my will, and we'll get through this. I'll get you through this. And my answer came clear. I know now what I need to do. So the same thing here. Sometimes, you know, you may not be out of it. It may still be a scary place, but God says, hey, man, I'm just going to keep you on your feet during this time, and I'm going to send people your way. And the Lord sent people my way that day through phone calls, through different ways, but he sent people my way. And so it was an awesome day. It started out scary, dark and bleak, but it ended up just being in the light. You know the cool thing about light is it just is just is. It doesn't say anything. doesn't make noise. It just is. And so sometimes we just have to take it as it just is. So moms and dads, discipline your children. Care for them. If you see your sin in them, stop whatever it is you're doing that you see and start to write that. Start to correct that. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to happen eventually. It takes work. It takes time. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. 
If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.